Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King, I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me from a very responsible distance away, but also in Chicago, is the founder of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. I am still handling my own audio, and hopefully it will go better this week than last week. Presumably, and hopefully the listener at home has no idea what you're talking yes. about. <laughs> Joining us from his respective home, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I, too, am a fan of audio technology. <laughs> I, I think the whole point of Glenn's thing was that he is not a fan of audio Definitely. technology. I'm keeping it positive. <laughs> if Glenn had it his way, we'd record this on a wax cylinder and mail it to you. <laughs> That's right. Good, reliable forms of technology. we brought to you on Conestoga Wagon. That's right. And that final voice you hear is our final co-host. All, joining us all the way from City, one of the pastor of Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. The other day, I was in a physical therapy office, and the therapist and I were making jokes about uh, Oregon Trail, and none of the other little people, the young you know, millennials that worked there, even knew what Oregon Trail was, and that makes me very sad. How many pounds of bison did you carry back to the wagon? You have died of dysentery, Jed. Oh, that's a tough break. <laughs> I was just about to ask that. Was Oregon Trail the only thing keeping Western children uh, cognizant of what dysentery is? <laughs> Almost certainly. Is that the only reason any of us knew about that disease? <laughs> On that basis, I declare an emergency. <laughs> On the basis of, of video games or dysentery, he asked, hopefully. Uh, just on the basis of there was a lot of nerd talk and it's time to cut through it. Wow. Okay. This we have important things to to look at and consider and deal with in this in this uh, these times of challenge and crisis. Lay it on us. Well, you know, uh, it, it, you know, we're we were we're digital. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in real life, we're analog, but when you're hearing us, it's digital. Now, you know, we're used to that's how we do. You know, we can we can handle that. But, uh, you know, now with your social distancing, everybody's got to go online. All the churches have to go online. And I'm just wondering, have we considered the possibilities of how this could go wrong? I'm intrigued. Go on. Well, there's a lot of dangers because uh, when you're talking about computers— uh, you're talking about a potential AI situation. Wow. A Skynet situation. Whoa. Glenn, are you suggesting that my church's AV system could become self-aware? Well, A, if you're in a megachurch, there's a chance that's already true. Whoa. Uh, but here's what it is, is like, we don't know, like, you know, we got, we have to use a computer to do church. How on earth are we going to be certain that computers aren't taking over church? Wow. Also, I think there's the issue that given the, and we've all seen a lot of church live streams at this point. We have a lot of friends who are pastors and we do our own bridge live cast. We're looking to pick up ideas. And being that the current pastorate doesn't apparently know if they're looking into their phone correctly or not, <laughs> I'm not sure we can count on them to lead us in the, the event of some kind of robot uprising. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good point. Also, there's the issue of if the computer 
the computers do become sentient and start to uh, and start to control us via the worship services. I mean, in like in the middle of like the worship songs, the lyrics just become some kind of a some kind of a thing that we're agreeing to, where we're handing over power, and we yeah. just mindlessly sing those along. You know, in the oceans of Your Majesty, I now sign the Twenty Fifth Amendment and stuff like that. Yeah. That's what uh, we're looking at. By repeating this chorus for a third time, you agree to our user agreement. <laughs> well, look, I don't know about you fellas, but in some churches, I'm, I'm repeating this chorus often enough that it feels like I'm being hypnotized. Sure. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> sleepy, for sure. Well, especially when you go to that church where the guy twirls his umbrella with the spiral thing on it. <laughs> I think he's up to no good. That's what I'm saying. Burgess Meredith? Thank you. Because <laughs> that's what's happening is the computers, they're, they're hypnotizing us with uh, you know the choruses, and next thing you know, they're putting uh, they're programming our brains, basically. Wow. Dang. Nobody's even worried about that. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about this whole deal is that all the churches are scrambling to figure out how to put uh, spiritual encouragement in a digital format. But fellas, we've been doing this for like going on eight years now. That's true. All That's they right. had to do was ask. We could have monetized this. We could have told them how to do it. I think we missed out on an opportunity. Wait, is this supposed to be encouraging? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd been subtly undermining people for nine years. <laughs> Lee, that's one possibility. But the other possibility is that we're a part of the ragtag resistance. Yep. Everybody wow. else is under the thrall of ChurchNet. Thrall. And <laughs> they've sent back a churchinator through time yep. to wow. take us all out. It's all, all right? happening. If you see an almost too good to be true worship leader with a robotic glint in his eye asking are you glenn fitzgerald that's probably a churchinator dude, we gotta have our guard up dude uh, the an austrian accent is the first hint that you're dealing with a robot <laughs> this is what i'm saying all robots have austrian accents that's just i saw that in a documentary once you that's know a science I mean? fact bro <laughs> yeah I hope we get to be part of the cool Linda Hamilton uprising and not the overproduced, confusing Christian Bale robot uprising. Uh, yeah, you know. It's all kind of, you know, time conundrums to be dealing with in these all movies. Right. I have made a discovery that advances this theory. I uh, I looked, because I couldn't resist myself, I googled ChurchNet. Oh, okay. The first result is churchnet.org. What?! I'm going to let you fill in the word here. A blank network serving churches. Who did we all always assume would be responsible for this whole thing going to pot? Don't say it. That's right. A Baptist network serving churches. <laughs> wow. Church net. Oh, you know, they, they tried to doze everybody off into a slumber with their casseroles. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And now, robots. These churchinators run on cream of mushroom soup. Dude, you know that's true. Well, you know, what bothers me is we're the only ones, uh, you know, uh, looking at this crisis. Well, yeah. as in James Cameron. 
<laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, you, you're in good company when you and James Cameron are on the same page. We just go on that weird submarine he's shooting Avatar 7 on and just like, yeah, that's really fascinating, James. Anyway, about the robots. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> look, I look, you, you fellas are exactly right. We've been doing the digital thing for a long time, but more importantly, we have been keeping extremely vigilant on the time traveling cyborg situation from day one. That's true. That's true. You can check our record, man. We stand by it. Right. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people worried about, you know, you know, one world government and, you know, the Illuminati and, uh, you know, all of that. But nobody's really keeping an eye on robots taking over church. Well, you know what, Christianity? You're welcome for our vigilance. <laughs> That's right. That's true. And while, while we're assessing threats here, and I think this, this may be separate than the inevitable church net uprising, it may be involved. It may be our defense against it. We've had the suggestion of a new jet. Superfan Todd created us a little Photoshop mock-up of Alien Conspiracy Jet. Oh, wow! <laughs> and again, I don't know if the angle is aliens are working with the robots, or we gotta get the aliens saved and work with them against the robots in an alien versus Terminator kind of way. But I think that's, I think that's a good angle here. Oh, I love that. I love that. I mean, it, it has all the weird things that I love just kind of crammed together. It's, <laughs> it's like a casserole of weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm worried they've gotten to Jed now. He didn't used to like casseroles. Yeah, well, I, I prefer to call them cassoulets. That makes them fancy. <laughs> That's when you use French onion soup. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> fancy. That's the most Midwestern joke I've ever made. <laughs> hey, look, fellas, uh, we need to start uh, casting who will play us in the movie about the robot uprising That's in church resistance. For myself, I'd like to suggest Sir Nicholas Cage. Sure, sure. A night a night Did of hunger. Most Nick people Cage don't know that. OBE. <laughs> well, you know, I look, we're recording this now, but it's you know, by the time people hear it, it's just so inevitable. Let's go ahead and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we could we can jump that gun knowing it's going to pay off later. I'm I'm going to go ahead and put my marker down on another uh you know a veteran of the the Shakespearean stage as I'm sure um Nick Cage is I just haven't checked. I'm calling Dame Judy Dench. Yes. Wow. I think she's got yeah. the range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she I also just want that like on her else. IMDb. <laughs> Lady Pitherington, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. second Duchess event, Matt King. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Lee, how about you, man? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with just a classic, serious Ed Harris. Oh, very good. Very, oh, nice. very yeah, nice. Very yeah. nice. Now, of course, if Ed Harris plays you, he's going to have to toupee up. Yeah, he's going to have to toupee up, and and I think that Ed can pull that off. I mean, uh, you know, I think Ed usually has the ability of kind of disappearing into the role, 
but we're going to have to have somebody just with that really serious edge. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if Cage is on set, there's going to be extra two pays lying around. Let's not. Yeah, let's not that ourselves. is true. <laughs> Brother Jed? For me, I think the character should be animated and specifically oh. voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> nice. Oh, real Joker vibe. I like it. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. Well, I, I, yeah, I think, uh, uh, fellas, I think once again, you know, with a world in crisis and turmoil, we were able to cut through all of that and solve real problems. No well doubt. Said. So on that basis, I declare emergency off. Mm. Absolutely. Meeting crisis and turmoil with nonsense and babbling, the Say That podcast. <laughs> That's us. Yep, and if you just can't get enough of that, if and if you like a nice focused version where we cut everything else down and it's heavily edited, I can't stress that enough. You love Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Only eight dollars a month, get sermons, get songs, get Bible studies, all sorts of good, encouraging stuff. Sign up, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. And if you'd like a little extra bridge in your week, we are live every Tuesday at 7.30 Chicago time. If you want to know what time that is on where you live, you are probably listening to this on a smartphone and you can look it up yourself because there's no (laughs) good way to describe that. So at 7.30 Central Time, every Tuesday, the live bridge cast. You'll hear from everyone on this show, a lot of amazing, fun friends. And if you can't be with us when it's going live, it's archived at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. You can always check out every one of those that we've done. There are three up currently, and we'll be doing it until we don't have to anymore. <laughs> and even then, maybe maybe still. Who knows? It probably won't take the same form, but we, we've really enjoyed doing it. Get in there if you can live. It's a lot of fun to be in the chat and uh, interact, and we've had a ball. Facebook.com slash TheBridgeCago. I'm going to jump to our first question here. It's all the way to the end. I get some ways you can touch this. Or you can scroll down into your episode description and find the links there. First question comes in and it says, I feel like being stuck in the house is not allowing me to use my gifts for the kingdom. How do I channel that frustration? I think it's a really cool question. And Glenn, where would we kick off? Well, for sure. I think uh, when you have a crisis like this, any kind of, uh, you know, challenge that you're dealing with, you start looking at the limitations. That's natural. That's normal. Makes sense. Uh, and it starts, you start to feel like I'm kind of boxed in. There's, you feel like, man, there's nothing I can do. But I think if you take a really close look and say, okay, list out really what are my gifts or what are my abilities? And, you know, you might have three or four of those that you might list out. I will bet you most of them you can use. Uh, mm. during this time it it you have that mentality perhaps of well this just feels like a giant obstacle so nothing would work but if you like to you know you say well i like to do hospitality i can't have anybody over you you can make some amazing food and drop it off to people and and call them on the phone that's 80 percent of the same thing uh, if if it's uh, your your gift is encouragement, no time is better for you than right now. That's Unleash right. it. Uh, if your gift is music, you can uh, get that online. We want to hear it. It's a it's going to be a blessing to us. If it's 
drawing, if it's poetry, whatever your abilities are, whatever you've got, you can use that digitally. You can get it online. You can bless people with it. Uh, and people need whatever encouragement you can you can get their way. They really do. Uh, so I, I, I first of all challenge you to really consider: is it that you just aren't able to use any kind of a giftedness, or you know, put that out there, or is it just tough, you know, and, and challenge? And it and that that challenge might make it seem in your mind like, well, maybe it's just going to be a bit less effective based on that. Uh, he, here's what I want to tell you about that is overcoming obstacles is actually what ministry is all about. Mm. And, uh, yeah, for, so, for some of us on the podcast, that's all day, every day is just obstacles. Uh, and pushing through those obstacles, uh, you, you know, really gives us muscles and gives us, uh, skills and abilities we wouldn't otherwise have. So the obstacles in the end can be a sort of backwards benefit if you rise up to that and fight through that. So that's what we're encouraging you to do. Last point, and it's a simple one, if there's less that you can do, put more of yourself into it. You know, so uh, Matt was just talking about our our Bridge Live uh, services there. Uh, So we're having to put everything online. But, you know, and we're in the chat area and we're talking to people as they're coming in and, uh, you know, people are giving feedback on different things throughout the service. What's funny about that is, uh, you know, we're not able to be there in person. When you're in person, you can grab people and you give them a big hug and, you know, really look them in the eye and say, man, it's good to have you here. When you don't have that, you have to put it into the words that you're typing into this text area. So we're being way more mushy and uh, vulnerable than we normally would be, kind of because, again, your body language communicates a lot. When you don't have that, you're, you have to really put it out there in, in, in verbal form. And I think that's giving us a level of intimacy and vulnerability we didn't have before. So we're actually better off and we're sharpening those abilities that we'll use when we're able to be in person. So if you if there's less you can do, put more of yourself into it. I think it's a fantastic place to start off. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up on this encouragement idea. And specifically, as we're doing more and more stuff online, as that becomes more of just how we have to interact with people at this time, what are some good strategies for doing that specifically in the social media space? That's a great question. I think one of the first things that, of course, we need to recognize is that for the time being, people are living the totality of their social lives online. So um, a couple months ago, you know, part of your social life, part of your way of interacting with other people might include Facebook or Twitter. And then you also, you know, you go to work and you go to school and you go to church. But that for people today, all of it is online, practically speaking. Um, you know, you may have other people that you live with, but other than that, it's it's all online. So what that means is that people are trying to have their needs met online, which is really hard to, to do well, but that what it means to love people using social media is probably a little bit different now than it used to be. If you can dig it, as you so let's let's look at an example together if you're in person with someone and they tell a joke you as an act of love make a point of finding what is funny in that joke um if they tell an anecdote from their day 
as an act of love, you find what is interesting in that story and you pay attention to it and you respond to it and you nod along with it. Okay, but we can't do that now uh, in person. So we need to figure out how do I communicate that same level of care to people via social media? And I think it's worth picking, you can't do this for everybody, but I think it's worth picking a, a group of people and maybe pray it up, but decide I'm not letting anything they post go unresponded to. Okay, dude. If they share right if they share something, I'm responding to it. And if there's any way for me to do it, I'm giving it a real response. It's not just a thumbs up emoji. It's, you know, someone shares an anecdote about their day and I give an actual, genuine, human response to it. I think that's going to communicate a lot of love and it's going to meet a very important social need. Now, to be clear... You don't, and in fact, I'd be careful about avoiding, you don't need to turn all of that into a Jesus juke where you're trying to turn everything around to making a spiritual point. You don't need to do that. Um, you definitely don't need to turn it into a one one's upsmanship. I think that's a word uh, thing. Um, it's just, I hear you. I appreciate what you're saying. This is a genuine human response from another human being who is actually paying attention to what you're sharing with the world. People really, really need that right now. Um, and so again, I think you can you can make a list. It's worth thinking through and praying through because you're not able to do this for everybody, but deciding I'm not, for this group of people, I'm not going to let their stuff be ignored. I'm not going to let what they're dealing with just go unremarked upon. Um, they, they really need that. And that's something that if you've got an internet connection, you can do right now today. Um, the, the other thing that I would say about it that, that's important is other than just kind of being a jerk about things and no one who listens to this podcast is going to do that. You kind of can't screw this up. Like there's, there's, you're not going to leave a reply on someone's Facebook post and have them say that was a terrible reply in the future. <laughs> I hope you'll think twice before you do such a thing as that's not really how this works. People are right. craving attention. If you're giving attention, that's a good thing. You're succeeding. And that's something that you can do right now today. And Amen. if we want to look ahead and we, we want to think towards the future, because our current state is not going to last forever. If you're looking at things from a ministry standpoint and you've got people that you'd like to build a deeper relationship with and you'd like to be able to do to speak into their life in a more meaningful way in the future, you can start that process right now. There's a whole lot of earning the right to be heard that can begin happening right now by you paying attention and choosing um, purposefully to interact with them and their stuff online. I think that's a really, really good point. And Leah, I'd get you, love to get you close out on this. I think there's a there's something underlying both what Glenn and Jed are talking about there, which is that um, we can acknowledge the fact that this makes interacting with people, using your gifts, encouraging people, hospitality, all these things mentioned, harder but we, and this is going to sound weird, but I, th I think you'll know what I mean here. We can look at the upside of the fact that something is harder when it goes this way, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's an interesting thing, um, and, and and these guys that are hosts on this podcast are going to know exactly what I mean um, because they've all done prison ministry. But there's uh, there's a weird thing that happens when you do prison ministry. If anybody that you ever minister to gets out and then decides to go back in as a volunteer in prison ministry, that person, when they see you, will sometimes pull you aside and tell you what it meant to them that you went in there. Um, we had a there's, a, there's a guy recently that got out of the, the facility where we do prison ministry, 
and he started volunteering um, in in that same uh, in that same chapel. And then he would kind of pull us aside. I remember one time he told me, "Man, it's a long drive to get here, and then you got to go through a lot of junk through security to get back to see these guys." Just want you to know, it means a lot that you would do that for these guys. The reason I tell you that story is to say this. Everybody right now is scrambling to figure out how to have connection. Exactly as Jed's saying, everybody's connection is now on social media. Some people are really good at that. Some people are trying to figure it out for the first time. Um, Glenn said an important point at the beginning of his answer, which was that a lot of the things that you can do in your area of giftedness are like 80% of the of, of the the whole thing. Like whatever you can pull off right now is a large percentage of the whole thing. Here's what's cool when you put those two things together. Not only is everybody trying to figure out how to navigate this landscape, and not only can you get a lot of the percentage of all the gifts that you're that you've got that you can pull all that kind of stuff off. When you are making an effort, exactly as Jed's saying, and exactly as Glenn's saying, the other people in your life are going to feel the impact of that effort. They're going to look at that yeah, and say, say that. that was a lot. That, that was a lot that you did that. That was a lot that you went out of your way to write me a letter. That was a lot that you went out of your way to, uh, to, to drop off you know, a, 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 you know, a tray of brownies at my door. Like that was really, really cool of you. People are gonna like in normal circumstances, everybody's going about their life, and when you do something kind for them, they feel the impact of it. Right now, when you go out of your way to do something for someone, it's like they feel it on steroids. They feel the impact of that. It's louder, it's bigger, it's a bigger deal. The other thing that I would say, just as an encouragement, it's just something that's been giving me hope lately. Uh, when you think about like, you know, it's like, uh, if I write somebody an email or send a text message or something like that to encourage them, it just it's just words. Am I really making an impact? I'm not face-to-face with them. I just want to remind you and remind myself that, that like most of the, the words of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament were written from either house arrest in Caesarea or from a dungeon in Rome. Um, and those words have been blessing all of us and advancing the kingdom for 2,000 years. Amen. There's a lot of really cool stuff that can be done by people who are stuck. I mean, just completely stuck. That brother was stuck, chained to someone else, and wrote down words that have been blessing the rest of us for two millennia. So let's keep going, because I think people are going to feel the impact. I think they're going to feel the love. I think they're, I think that, you know, if if... Like Glenn saying, if your gift is hospitality and you can find a creative way to pull off 80% of that, that 80% is going to feel like 200%. So let's keep going. I think it's a really, really fantastic point. I'd love to close this out by dovetailing that with some very important things that, that Jed was talking about and it takes us really back to the 80% idea that Glenn started us with. There are going to be some people, some situations that you want to pour a lot more effort and a lot more intentionality into like these guys are talking about. And then there's exactly as uh, Lee's kind of pointed to there. There's also just areas where you can just kind of spread that far and wide in a pretty low effort way. And I don't think we should discount that. So to use Jed's social media example, there's some people and you can't do this for everybody there. You, yeah, you want to get in a comment, you want to send them a, a direct message, you want to email them just how I thought that was really cool. 
it takes zero t- more time to view something than to view it and like it. Yep. Like people are putting something out there because they want it to be acknowledged and it, you don't lose cool points. Nobody thinks that you're liking, nobody looks at other things you're liking and decides you like things unjudiciously. <laughs> right. And you know, right. doesn't take it as a, as a compliment. It's actually something uh, our, our coworker uh, Tasha said recently, which I about our bridge uh, live stuff and stuff we put on Facebook said, when somebody puts a comment on there, they probably want engagement. They are, mm. they want interaction. That is why they, they wrote something out. And the same goes for really posting anything. Somebody puts a, a photo of their dinner. It is the amount of time it takes you to just click a heart button or say, wow, that looks great is no one gets a nice comment and thinks, eh, they probably didn't mean it. It's time. It's, it's time to be very, uh, very charitable with that stuff. And the same goes in the kind of few face-to-face interactions you might have. Uh, it's a pretty terrible time to be working at like a grocery store or to be a food delivery person, you know, and not all of us can afford to be like a hundred percent tip person, but you can say, Hey, thanks. And you can be extra polite and you can do those things that just put that out into the world. You know, you, we all, uh, you know, you hear a lot about talking the idea of how we get people in the church and how will people know, what Christian stuff is all about. If you can be cool to people when they're going through a tough time, which is safe to assume everyone is right now, that's really going to pay off big. Our second question comes in anonymously and it says, a friend of mine died recently, non-COVID related, by the way. They had gone through a lot of struggles and seemed to be turning a corner. Then they died. On top of the sadness I have, this I have this feeling of frustration and incompleteness, like the story didn't finish. Does that make sense? What is this feeling? What do I do with it? I think it's a really interesting question. And Jeb, particularly uh, for for those of us, which is everyone on the podcast who works with people in addiction, this is a fairly unfortunately common idea. If someone was turning it around and some bad stuff happens and it is that feeling of just, this wasn't, this isn't a whole story. So what do we do with these kind of things? We have those leftover feelings. That's a great question. Well, to our our question asker, uh, we're so sorry for your loss, and and we yeah. we mourn with you, we grieve with you, uh, we're we're praying for you, and to whatever extent it's a comfort, we we do know how that feels. You know, Matt is right. You know, if you uh, if you work with folks in addiction, unfortunately, this this is not an uncommon occurrence. Um, so we we feel you. We're definitely on that. And and I think the the first thing to say, of course, is none of us have a magic answer that makes it okay. Um, you know, there, that there is no such thing as that, but what I can tell you has been true for me. And I, and I think that it may be true for you is that one of the things that we can do is we can honor people's memory and in a sense, help to complete their story through the way that we live moving forward. Um, we can, we can look at the, the things that, to the positive that we learned from their life and again in a sense kind of pay it forward by by bringing those principles to bear in our own lives so uh for for me uh, you know i had a, a a gal who was a part of our ministry some years ago it, she she passed away but um mm. she was just a firm believer in radical self-acceptance and and radical self-love and um for what it's worth, I I think she should uh, get to live a, a million more years because she was an amazing, amazing person. But but that didn't happen, and there was definitely part of me that that felt exactly like what you're describing, where it's it's like this person's story got cut short. But 
in my own life today, I, when I have moments where I'm struggling with self-acceptance and where I'm struggling with self-love, I think back to my friend's example. I think back to the way that she approached self-acceptance yeah. and the way that she approached self-love. And, and I, you know, I, I, in that moment, I call on that memory and I, and I decide, you know, I'm going to use that as, as fuel for the things that I need to do. And, and I don't know that there's a better way to honor a person's memory than that. And to, the Bible says that we're surrounded by a great crowd of lit, a great cloud of witnesses that's, that's cheering us on to whatever extent my friend is aware of goings on, on planet earth. Um, I have to imagine that, that she feels honored by that, that, that she set an example that, that years later, people are still being inspired by and that people are still learning from. So when you think about your friend, I, I think it's, it's worth asking what, can we learn from their life and honor their memory by bringing with us? Maybe that's a courage. Maybe that's a tenacity. Maybe it's a humility. I, I don't know. But I do know that because the image of God is in every person, there is something in your friend to be learned from and to be put into place and to be something that that is a source of strength and inspiration to you. And again, I think that's honoring a person's memory and, and helping, in a sense, to complete their story in a way that, that few other things can. That's a really, really beautiful note to start out on. And Lee, where do we take this from there? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. I, I just want to say um, that I think in the way that you've asked the question, you have really summed up your feeling really well. I mean, you you say in the question, does that make sense? And I think that you've perfectly described it. Um, you, you're perfectly describing grief. Um, there's an unfortunate side to some folks in in Christianity where they'll take you know the fact that we have the fact that we have a hope in eternal life because of what Jesus has done and because Jesus was risen from the dead and the, the firstborn among all those that he's going to rise from the dead because we have a hope of eternal life sometimes Christians make you feel like well if you're believe in Jesus then you don't have to be sad when people die because you know they're going to heaven and you're going to heaven and the whole thing and um, that is a really, really crappy side of of our faith when people act like that. Because the truth is, is that uh, is that that death is death is a part of this world that's going to go away. And um, as a result of that, it's a thing that's sad. Death is always sad. It's always confusing. It always hurts. And by the way, when you are just kind of stricken and hurting because someone that you love has passed, that is a that is an evidence to yourself that you loved and that you love deeply. Um I think that it is such a sweet comfort that um that John in his gospel um enshrines this moment where a friend of Jesus has died and Jesus shows up at the funeral and sobs his eyes out. I think that's one of the most tender and kind things in the entire canon of Scripture, that John would take that moment and say, everybody's got to see this. Because number one, Jesus knows that he's going to rise from the dead, and he's going to promise eternal life. Number two, Jesus knows when he shows up at Lazarus' funeral that he's going to raise this brother from the dead and give him more years back. But I want everybody to see the fact that even in the midst of knowing those things, that when Jesus was standing at the funeral, he was sobbing his eyes out. That a life cut short is sad. 
and a life cut short deserves tears and a life cut short deserves people feeling just kind of out of their wits about it. Um, grief is something that takes time. It's something that takes work. It's something, it's a process that you should not rush, but you should always begin exactly where you are, which is honesty, being honest with God about it, being honest with yourself about it, and then slowly going through all the things that you're going to feel. You're going to feel a lot of weird stuff over a life being cut short. A lot of like just questions and confusion and sadness and anger and hurt. And all of those things are things that you can take to God. He wants you to be honest with him. He wants you to be honest with yourself. And he wants to help you work through this one day at a time. That's another really, really fantastic point. Glenn, where do we close this out? Well, yeah, I I want to pick up right where uh, Lee was leaving off there. I think, uh, you know, I hear this a lot, you know, so-and-so passed away and, you know, that was, that was just a rough way to die. And that's sort of without working out, there isn't any other, there isn't like a really great way. I mean, as Lee is saying, it's always rough. It's, it's always sad. It's always a, a loss and it's always painful and that's as it should be. But I think we have this sense of, uh, oh, if only it could have been this other thing. You know, I, you know, when I was younger, I, I figured my grandfather would probably live to be, you know, 150 years old. And then at the end of his life, he would just disappear like Obi-Wan. And then, you know, th- <laughs> then he'd be a force ghost and we could talk all, all day long. It's just me and the force ghost hanging out. Uh, that's, that's not what happened. Uh, it was crazy for me to... Uh, create sort of that narrative and expect it to happen. But that's kind of what people do. It's like, well, you know, this person's life was cut short, uh, according to who, you know, that's, where was that written down? You, you created a narrative. Yours was a a full, long, rich life. Mine was force ghost, but they're both made up. And uh, so we, we have to recognize the narratives that we write for other people rarely work out. So we should hang on to them loosely, if at all, uh, the other thing that's odd about dealing with death, I think, is we look for a meaning in that death. Like, you know, you, we, we want to, like, the, the person needs to die under circumstances that are somehow meaningful, uh, which is tough because I, I don't know if there is meaningfulness in that. It's just that's the end. The meaningfulness is everything that came before it. You know, as Jed was talking about, you know, the life of this person impacted our lives, but the the death is not the circumstances of the death. Death are not significant one way or another any more than the circumstances of a person's birth. It's just you know, you know this is the beginning, this is the end. It's all the stuff in between that really matters. Uh, so I think we we look for a, a meaningfulness in death, or and, and we're sort of sad about the way it happened uh, without recognizing that, as Lee said, it's just sad and that's, it's always going to be that way. Uh, final point here, and this is not a theological point exactly, but it's just something I've observed a whole lot. And maybe this will give you peace, but sometimes God takes people out when they're on sort of a high note. Uh, some people have a lot of struggles throughout their life, and um, 
you know, they, they were, they finally kind of found that groove. Maybe they were wavering a little bit off of that, but you know, they, they, this was the, the full course of it here. And sometimes the Lord says, okay, let's, let's, that's about enough of that. And let's take this person home and uh, let them, uh, you know, do as, you know, they be able to look back and say, you know, that was, that was a good time for things to depart. But from our perspective, it's like this person was finally getting themselves together and then the Lord called them home. And it's like, well, you know, so, so much was missing there. Well, that's, that's assuming that was going to go great after that. <laughs> so I think uh, recognizing sometimes there's mercy in this that we can't see. Hmm. I think that's a really, really good point. An important one and to piggyback off that there's kind of a, a sense to that narrative point that Glenn's making that we all have of that this should all, in order for anything to be happy, it has to have, have a happy ending. You know, we're all raised on, on three act structures where all the good stuff is amplified and all the bad stuff is undone by what happens in the very last scene. Kind of it, every, every suffering that our char- main character went through is redeemed and all the good stuff is really amplified in that last moment where they conquer this whole thing. And obviously life doesn't work like that, but um, the fact that things end sadly actually doesn't undo any positive stuff and it doesn't undo any positive stuff you did. I think there's particularly, I don't know if this is the case, but we're talking about, you know, um, our experience with people either relapsing into addiction or even not relapsing and just decades of addiction have taken the physical toll it takes and, you know, them kind of dying before they really get that full experience of a turned around life we would want them to see. But if that was the case, it doesn't mean anything you did didn't work. And anything you did didn't count. You know, if they only had one day of clear eyed sobriety where they had fun and like relaxed with you, that's one day more than they would have had otherwise. I don't think we, we should discount that if that's, that's right. You know, if they, if, we to take it out of the realm of life and death for a second, you know, occasionally uh, our, our it's almost always our coworker Pete, but as uh, mission, the bridge, we'll get somebody a job who's never had a straight job before. And, you know, maybe they're not used to having a straight job. They, you know, they, they don't last that long or they get used and quit. But the thing we often remind them and remind ourselves of is you had one. So now you have something to put on a resume. The fact that this ended doesn't mean that you didn't have that experience of getting up and going to work for a couple of weeks. You can do that. This, the ending does not totally erase everything that went before it. And we take that into kind of a, a life and death context. I think that's, that's very important to remember all, any kindness, any joy, any fun, any uh, healing you helped bring into this person's life or this person experience. None of that goes away just because they died. That all happened. That was all real. And it's important uh, when we have something that doesn't work out the way we wanted to, to really latch on to those things in the way all these guys have been describing. All right, we're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in to our email address and it says, not a spiritual question, but being that we are sheltering in place for a while, any recommendations on movies, series, books, etc.? I guess bonus points if they are positive or Christian or whatever. And that's the kind of question we can really get behind. And Lee, where do we kick this one off? Yeah, I love that you threw etc. in there because... Uh, one of the things that my family and and I've been really enjoying is is board games. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with board games, and we got somebody gave us the board game Exploding Kittens. It's like a card game. It's really weird. 
Oh yeah. I love the exploding kittens. Yeah, it's got weird art. It's funky. And we have the uh, unstable unicorns. Christy doesn't like that one. I like that one a lot. And uh, and also some we got uh, a while back we got code names and this was really cool because uh, it turns out we had so we have a friend who uh, uh, she and her husband both work for Compassion International over in Colorado Springs and they got like a Harry Potter themed code names and they set up a Zoom call with a bunch of us <laughs> friends all over the country. They took wow. a picture of the of the of the of the cards, texted that to everybody, and then we did like with all these couples, and we did a guys versus girls on you know, with, with the couples, uh playing playing code names over Zoom. And we were like in I think like four different states or something like that. Really, really fun. And so that's a that's something that I would encourage. You can do a Zoom you can set up a Zoom call for free for like 40 minutes on a free account. But I did just finish reading the new Malcolm Gladwell book from last September, and I learned a lot. It was really good, and I like that dude. And uh, Christy and I are rewatching The West Wing because nostalgia and wishful thinking. And uh, and I'm reading a, a book by a man called Brian Stevenson called Just Mercy, and he's a... He is a a lawyer for for folks who are on death row in Alabama, and um and he just talks about how unjust our criminal justice system is, and and uh, what we can do about it. So um, those are my that's that's what I'm into right now, and those are my recommendations. Any book about the American criminal justice system does not get bonus points for positivity or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. it must be pointed that's out. True. But all very very cool stuff. And Glenn, what about you? Uh yeah, I yeah, I love the 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 board game suggestion. Um I'm going to I've got a few here. Uh well, I as 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 people who know me in real life know that I whenever we play a game uh, as as a as a staff, I always cheat and I I tend to ruin it. <laughs> and that makes it fun for me. So you, you, but one of the things I want to look at is you say, uh, you know, this may not be a spiritual question, but I think if this recharges your batteries and allows you to uh, be an encouragement to other people, lift people up, stay sane, all of that, then this is a spiritual question. Amen, and dude. That's the kind of stuff that we do all the time. We look at specifically what sort of media, what sort of uh, entertainment and stuff is going to allow us to have good fellowship good relaxation. We want to change the channel so we can give things up to the Lord better. So this is a spiritual question in its own way. Uh, So I'm going to make some suggestions here. In terms of books, uh, you cannot go wrong with John Scalzi. Uh, That is, he's technically a science fiction writer, but uh, it's it's sort of half uh, humor and uh, half sort of thriller adventure type stuff, as much as it is sci-fi. Lots of he, courtroom stuff too, Glenn. He, yeah, I mean, there's just it's it's sort of uh, he just sort of gets it all in there. Uh, no one I've ever known has disliked a John Scalzi book. He's he's written a bunch. I'm going to suggest starting with a book called Fuzzy Nation, uh, kind of smaller and, and lighter of his. A good point of entry. Uh, you can't go wrong there. If you like that, go and read all the rest of them because you'll love them. Also, bonus points if you do the the, the Will Wheaton reads the audio books on yeah. those, and it's just 
it's just so awesome. I mean, it's just perfect. Uh, so John's calls you Will Wheaton audiobooks. Uh, for for TV, uh, if you haven't seen Brooklyn Nine Nine, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yep. <laughs> Go see Brooklyn Nine Nine and watch. It. It's sort of a, a unique uh, blend of humor, but I I think there's a there's a warmth and and a humanity on that show that's really awesome. If I recommend to you anything set in a police station, it has to be bulletproof good because that's that's not a comedic place for us in our lives. Uh, also, uh, TV. Uh, there's a, a series, a little sitcom, very silly, very you know. I love a silly uh, little uh, sitcom. Uh, that's my taste. Uh, but a show called Perfect Harmony, uh, Bradley Whitford. Uh, it's it's set in the South, and he's like a disgraced Ivy League choir leader that ends up being a choir leader of this rural uh, uh, church, and he isn't a believer. And there's some some cool humor to all of that and some spiritual themes that come out and it's, it's very cute and, and very, you know, it's, it's, it's not deep at all. And that's what we all need right now. Uh, movies. Uh, if you ever, if you have not in your life been into watching old movies, this is the perfect time for you to try an old movie hmm. uh, because they're, they tend to be much more escapist and, and, uh, you know, light, and I think that's what we need. Um, if you if you're into musicals, you need to get into that right now. If you've not seen Singing in the Rain, that's like the best one. Uh, the best movie ever made by mankind is The Blues Brothers, and it is technically a musical. And if you haven't seen it, there is something wrong with you. You either need a checkup of some kind or just to go see it. Uh, and also, Cary Grant has never made a bad movie, uh, so you can, you, if you want to look at old movies, uh, I, uh, uh, Father Goose is one of my favorites of his, uh, but they're all good, so check that out. All right, that is all fantastic stuff as well, and Jed, where would you close us out? I love everything that's been said already. Um, I would offer just a, a couple TV shows, and so... Uh, you said bonus points, I think, if it's spiritual. So here's the spiritual implication for me. Uh, I think our world right now is drowning in cynicism and unkindness. And um, yeah. so I, I want media that is a counter to that. I want media that is not cynical and that is kind. And so uh, two shows that that for me I definitely find to be that way are The Simpsons and Futurama. I think that they are both screamingly hilarious. And to me, they're both very kind um, very positive in their own way shows. I just, I just love them. I just dig them. Uh, but the thing that I would look at for you though, is, uh, what are the things that need counteracting and what helps to counteract them? Uh, you know, again, for yeah. me, I think it's unkindness and cynicism. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's, it's fear, but, um, what needs counteracting and what's the media that you can rely on that'll consistently do that. Like Glenn says, if it helps to counteract the bad stuff, it becomes real spiritual in a hurry, whether the people who created it, uh, intended it that way or not. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very true. Um, uh, we'll toss a couple things on here. One is that um, if you have a uh, account at your local library, you obviously can't go there, but it's worth checking out if they have like digital stuff. Um, there's an app called Hoopla that our local library has on here uh, gets up through, which is very cool. It's like books, audio books, actually it's comics. Libby for some people, Matt. Yeah, Libby's. It depends on you can if you have an on. Um, go to your local library's website, and it's like 
obviously it's a library. It's free. There's some other ones. I think ours is Libby too. And, um, Audiobooks are awesome, but also can be a bit expensive, even if you're just paying the 15 bucks a month for uh, Audible, and uh, that's a pretty cool way to do those. There's also a thing called Open Library, which is a big project that scanned a bunch of books, classic books kind of stuff, that they just threw everything in their archive open for f- totally free. So in particular, someone's like a little older, that's, that's a very cool thing uh, to jump on. Speaking of comics, I'm going to win the uh, the Dork Award here. And that's even without mentioning the book about fresh wrestling from the 30s that I'm currently reading. I'm going to win the Dork Award without having to bust out that particular piece of platinum. But uh, <laughs> if you are a comic person or if you just liked uh, the latest Thor movie, which I think a lot of us did, there's a guy who did a run on Thor that was massive and sprawling. and just came to an end. It's by a guy named Jason Aaron. So if you Love have Jason Aaron. Either uh, if you have one of those library apps or if you have like a comiXology or something, it's definitely worth checking out. There's a ton of it, which is good for our current time. And it actually has a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about is not, I mean, it's literally pagan. It's not Christian. It is, you know, he is the God of thunder, but uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of really cool, positive stuff in it. A lot of really kind of interesting stuff about, uh, you know, morality and rising to the occasion and a lot of that cool stuff that you'll find in a whole, whole lot of good stuff. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, chicago.tumblr.com. If you want to keep that totally anonymous, remember you can join us every Tuesday at seven 30 Chicago time for our live bridge cast. If you can't join us there, you can find the archived versions on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago while we're doing social media plugs. Why not Twitter at the bridge CHI. And we're also posting clips and all sorts of good stuff on our Instagram at the bridge Chicago as well. Take out the song this week as we are in Holy week here, we are going to take you out with a version of Christ Lord is risen today by the ever reclusive and mysterious pool house guru. Yeah. Take out Ooh. that. Thanks for listening. Just remember God loves you. We love you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, an independent, non-AI-controlled broadcast, probably unlike your church. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's true. Once he died, our souls to save. Where is our victory? Boasting grave. Christ the Lord is risen today.
Where is that victory? Huh? Boasting grave. Trust the 